Hey, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, Washington Bureau Chief for News Talk Florida. And uh, you're listening to us on NewstalkFlorida.com and BlogTalkRadio.com. And joining me, Joe Henderson, Tom Jackson, and from New York, Alan Steinberg. Speaking of New York, last night on The Intrepid was the first and possibly last uh, Commander-in-Chief Forum, which was sponsored by NBC. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but... um, my phone blew up, my computer blew up, and pretty much anything that had any sort of social media on it was melting down, and it came from both camps. So, you know, either both of them screwed up or both of them had good days, and I'm going to go with both of them screwed up. And the only thing I can say, and I'm going to turn it over to you guys in just a minute, the only thing I can say is I watched it, and to coin a phrase from... Jack Buck, I can't believe what I just saw. Um, both of them screwed it up. So, I'll tell you what, um, Mr. Henderson, I'll let you go first. Go ahead, give us uh, your thoughts on the Commander in Chief Forum last night on the Intrepid. Well, I think uh, the only one who maybe had a worse night than either one of the candidates was uh, Matt Lauer. Uh, he, he is getting eviscerated on uh, social media. Uh, for not pushing Trump harder on the on the war situation, but uh, you know it's good to see the candidates on their on their feet. Uh, I thought some of the audience gave better questions than than the moderator did, frankly. And uh, I thought um, Trump at times was just downright weird. You know, you're going to how do you? How do you say that you're going to jack up the military budget the way he does and still uh, manage to to balance, you know, whatever whatever his economic program is? It's it's the numbers don't add up, and I think he emphasized that last night. And Hillary Clinton was uh, mechanical and uninspiring, is the way I would put it. Fair, Mr. Jackson, your thought. Well, I have to confess, fellas that I kind of figured I knew what was going to be going on with this. I, like like uh, Donald Trump, did not do my homework. I watched uh, – I, I was watching a British comedy called 2012 last night and having a far better time than all of you folks who, who, who endured what was a, a rote exercise from everything that – the highlights that I have seen since and everything that I have read on both sides since suggests that – this was sort of like the, the, the first preseason game, and we saw both candidates probably at their worst. Now, I, from what I've seen, uh, what little I've seen of it, Hillary is, is – she knows her stuff. Uh, she understands the nuances. She knows where everything is on the map, unlike poor Gary Johnson, who kind of embarrassed himself on Morning Joe this morning, not knowing anything about Aleppo. I think that he thought that it might be a dog food. Uh, but uh, Hillary was again. Hillary knows her stuff. She's been around this stuff for, forever. And uh, Donald Trump, uh, also from the little I've seen, is just the master of blustering and and bluffing. Um, but but it comes down to I mean Jonathan Chait uh, was writing it. Wrote this morning in the New York Magazine that 
he was alarmed by it because uh, Trump came off seeming like he was real leadership material. So um, I, I, I guess both candidates need to get a whole lot better by the time the first debate rolls around, and I suspect at least one of them will. So there you are. And I, and I think I'll watch those. Probably a good idea. Alan, would, <laughs> I know that you, when I was watching, uh, when I was on Twitter and on Facebook channels simultaneously, I saw Alan's stream come by, and I was almost going to stop him and say, please, don't, don't say any more. Just write this in a column because it's so good. He was just going absolutely apoplectic. So Alan uh, kind of condensed what was a very long night's worth of, of typing for you on both uh, Twitter and, uh, and Facebook. Well, I am strongly supporting Hillary Clinton, as you know, so I'm biased. But there were two things that Trump did that infuriated me as, as an American. Uh, the first thing was his blasting of generals and saying that generals, that they were reduced to rubble. I'm a person that served in the United States Navy. I know what goes into being a general and an admiral, and there are a few people in American society that I respect more than generals and admirals. And I thought the disrespect he showed for them was just abominable. I, I just was livid at that. But the other thing was, I take security very seriously, national security, and I, I'm the person I have been uh, cleared in the Bush administration by the White House and uh, by our intelligence agencies for top security clearance. So I take that very seriously. So when I heard Donald Trump start to give the uh, talk about what happened in his security briefing, uh, where he said that uh, they are very upset that they didn't get the, that the president isn't taking their advice. And then he realized he was in trouble, and he said, well, I could tell from their body language. He lied. That was an outright lie, because security agents are trained specially not to reveal anything by their body language. And then the felony was compounded today by a story on NBC that evidently General Flynn was in the briefing, and uh, he was very aggressive, and Chris Christie held him back. Now, either Chris Christie or Donald Trump leaked that to the press, and that's disgraceful. So... I was in a very angry mood. As far as Hillary Clinton was concerned, I think she demonstrated confidence. But what is bothering me is that, as a technique, she sounds like a defense attorney talking about the emails. Now, she didn't give anything bad substantively, but what she has to do, this question has been asked and answered over and over again. I think she has to confront any moderator that goes over this over and over again, like Matt Lauer did, and say, look, I have, at this, I have been asked this. I have answered this. I'm going to give the same answer every time. I think it's time that we move on and you ask me what I will do in the field of foreign policy because I'm not going to keep answering this question over and over again. And I think the public is not going to resent an answer like that because the public will say, well, she did answer. And they may not like the answer, but enough is enough already. I, I think she has to start sounding aggressive rather than being on a defensive about this all the time. Well, I think that one of the things that I heard last night, and you're right, Alan, that she sounded like a litigator, and she was spending an inordinate amount of time in the minutia of of trying to explain each and every detail of it. And then by the time they got around to the policy questions, um, you know, the clock was running out. And um, and Trump, I guess, can get away with simply just saying anything. I swear to God, I, I don't understand how, you know, 
at one point the generals are idiots. At the next point, he turns around and says, five, you know, five minutes later, I'm going to talk to the generals, and these generals are going to um, work with me and help me with my plan to defeat ISIS. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute, didn't earlier in the day in Philadelphia he give out a plan on how he was going to defeat ISIS? You know, what happened between Philly and New York? Did he lose the plan? I mean, it's like it was just like I my head wanted to explode from both of them. It was just a a performance that, man, um, that won't go in a Tom Jackson, you had talked about an early uh, preseason. As the joke goes, you know, that they're not going to send that to, to Canton. Well, in this case, they're not going to send this one to uh, a congressional library or wherever anybody would want this to go. Amen to that. Well, you know, what the, Hillary, what, can't, Hillary, can't, Hillary can't give one answer to the uh, – to the email question and let it go because the email question keeps changing. I mean, the, the FBI document dump made pretty clear that she has not told the entire truth about what's going on with that. Stuff was uh, evidence was destroyed after it was subpoenaed. There was there was a five at least a seven day lapse. Uh, Congress asked for emails. There was a discussion about those emails with the people who were who were who were looking after the server. And and then emails were destroyed. I mean, the, the, you can't you can't give a pat answer to that entire episode uh, because, as I say, the 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 news and the evidence keeps changing, and and that's on her for not having come clean to begin with. Well, again, the, from my standpoint, I would say from you know, I'm advising her. I would say what Alan said basically. You know what? Ask and answer. You may not go ahead. You know, people who are going to vote for her either trust her or they don't, or they don't trust her and don't care. But, you know, from an email standpoint, pick an answer, stay with it, give it three minutes and move on. And, you know, you can you can ask me 100 times. I'm going to give you the same answer. And we know we've seen this on a number of different topics. So if you're going to that's all I'm saying. It's a strategic aspect. I understand what you're saying from a, you know, from a, are there answers that could be out there? Yes, of course there are. But from a strategic standpoint, I'm going to tell her not to say anything more than five minutes and just move on. Well, I, I've got a question here, which I will just, I will throw out to the group. What is it with Donald Trump and Putin? What is this fascination? What is this bromance going on here? This, this is you're in a room full of, of military people. Uh, you have a nationwide TV audience, and you go out of your way to uh, praise Vladimir Putin, who is one of the least trustworthy people on the planet. What, what is that strategy? Is there a strategy? Will somebody explain this to me? Because that this is like the last thing somebody running for president of the United States should be doing. And the way he expressed it, the way he expressed it was unreal. He said, well, he's got an 82% popularity rating in this country. Sure he does, because anyone who's pulled is going to be afraid of getting killed if they answer the wrong way. I mean, that was a ridiculous answer. I mean, would Donald Trump say if they had pulled in Nazi Germany in 1934, I'm sure Adolf Hitler would have had a 95% approval rating. And if he said something, he said, well, Putin said something nice about me, so I said something nice about him. Well, if Hitler said something nice about Donald Trump, would he have said something nice about him? I mean, his logic was ridiculous. 
I don't know what his objective is. It's completely ridiculous. And to me, of of all the nonsense that Trump has said on the on the campaign trail, that alone, this this Putin thing should disqualify him from from being president of the United States. This is nuts. It really is. You know, he could indicate what he could say, because I've discussed this at length with people. I've studied Putin uh, a lot. He could say, I don't think his interest conflicts with ours, okay? But the idea of an alliance with a very authoritarian dictator is just anathema to most Americans. I mean, Trump himself has a strong authoritarian streak, and that's what I've said often. But it's just ludicrous. You know, he says, it wouldn't it be great if we get along, if we got along with them? Well, it'd be great if we get along with all the peoples of the world. But it is hard for us to have a, uh, an undying friendship with an authoritarian regime. And that's what he's saying. Well, and, and Trump wants to throw up barriers uh, to our next door neighbor in Mexico. And yet he wants to embrace Putin. What? what this is insane that this guy. Yeah, that, it that, is that insane. Moment, that that moment that uh, that that Trump went to uh, the foreign secretary for Russia and presented that reset button. I mean, that was how could Trump be, even think about doing that with those guys? That that author, that authoritarian regime that had already invaded Russia. Oh wait, that wasn't Donald Trump. That was Hillary Clinton. She's presented the reset button. She was trying to reach out. For the Obama administration to make things nice with Russia, I mean, what goes? This is this is one hand washing the other. We, no matter who's elected president of the United States, it would be a better world if we figured out how to get along with the Russians on our terms. And I'm not sure I, I, which of them, which of which of them elected, would be more would be more assertive about what our terms are. Except for one thing, Tom. I agree with you. I agree with you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm. I'm. I'm, My rant. My rant has run its course. (laughs) Nice rant. But here's here's my problem. It was a good rant. But here's my problem. It's one thing to say we want to have uh, peace with Putin. It's another thing to uh, glorify him uh, the way Trump did when he said he's a better leader than Barack Obama. That's outrageous. That is absolutely outrageous. And Depends on your term, what, what you mean by better. Well, he shouldn't have abused that word at all under any context. I'll say this for Hillary Clinton. When we did the reset, it was an effort to have better relations with a regime that is very different from ours. I don't think there was any glorification of Putin at the time she attempted this. You know, down through the years, and you, you have both, all three of you remember the history of detente. I remember Don Rumsfeld, when he was working for Jerry Ford, saying detente is a way we relate to people in peace who are not our friends. Well, that was similar with what the Obama administration, and I've been very critical of their foreign policy. That is what they were trying to do with the reset. It wasn't as if that we were going to become bosom buddies with the, uh, with the Putin regime. But this guy is out there glorifying him. He's talking about he's a better leader than Obama. I mean, that's a horrific thing. For any candidate for president to say it's an ignorant thing, it's an offensive thing, and he went way too far with that. That's well, my rant. Well, okay, there's a rant from Alan Steinberg. We heard one from Tom Jackson. Joe Henderson, who's with us, of course you've heard, um, hasn't ranted yet, but he had a good question about 
you know, what's the bromance all started about. You are listening to the uh, Politically Incorrect podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host from Washington, the Bureau Chief for News Talk Florida. And you're listening to us on NewstalkFlorida.com, BlogTalkRadio.com. And, and it has been interesting about the bromance situation. But my question is this, guys. And, um, and this has to do with, do you think that Mr. Trump, and I'm not being, this is not me being snarky. Do you really think that Donald Trump has a grasp of how the president and military leader, our military leaders, not, not Russian military leaders or other military leaders, our military leaders, how they work together? I mean, do you really think he understands the grasp and grasps that? Because I don't think he does. No. The short answer is no. <laughs> I don't I don't think there's, he there's no real evidence. That, worse worse than that, I don't think he has an interest in knowing. Okay? I agree with what Joe said. Uh, Joe's right. You know, he what he wants to do is he wants to come in and do things his way. All the niceties of past relationships between presidents and military leaders, he wants to throw them out of the way. He thinks he can manage the uh the, the military the way he managed uh, employees of the uh, Trump organization and, and the private sector relationships do not work that way when you're dealing with the military. It doesn't work. What if, from a standpoint of, of going forward and we get closer to the debates, I mean, he's got advisors who are military men. Tom Jackson, I'll throw this one to you. How does Mr. Trump begin to understand that key relationship between a president and, you know, the military leaders that he's going to have to work with, which is always, I mean, look, under the best of circumstances, it's difficult because these guys are intimidating. They, you know, they, they've been there, they know what they're doing. And most presidents have a little, you know, have a little pause when they sit down and they deal with, you know, the, the people who advise them. What do you think that, that the Trump camp is going to sit down and do before the debate to try to help him get a better grasp of what to do and how to work with the uh, with the military. Well, I'm I'm certainly no Trump apologist. Um, no, no, I'm I, not expecting. I, 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 I'm I'm I, I understand that, um, and I wish that there were a conservative running on a major t- on a major uh, party's uh, banner this year. There's not. <clears throat> Having said that, um, I, I think that that if he is inclined to curiosity, and we show uh, we've seen no evidence that that he has any curiosity yet, but if he is inclined to curiosity, then he will get with with the advisors who are are part of the campaign and actually listen to them and take what they have to say to heart. Let, let's let's make let's make one thing very clear. Uh, we have had presidents before who were, were outright uh, anti-military. I, I, Bill Clinton had, had an animus for the military. I think Barack Obama came in with an animus for the military and yet were able to conduct themselves as commander-in-chief in a way that has not outraged the country, maybe certain parts of it, but uh, the, the whole thing comes down to uh, I, I think his heart is in the right place. I think his heart is, is more pro-military than either Bill Clinton when he took the job 
or Barack Obama even at this very minute. So if he is willing to do the homework, and again, I say he's never shown any evidence that he does do his homework, but if he does his homework, coming at it from a position of somebody who is uh, more pro, pro-military than, than – he's got a chance to actually be able to make a coherent argument because he is, as I say, his heart's in the right place as far as the military is concerned, I think. Alan, you've been involved, as you said earlier, in, in briefings. What do you think would be a way – and, and now I'm, I'm I'm moving you to an advisor to um, to Mr. Trump. What would you advise him? How would you advise him to pay attention to his uh, the people to set him up so that when he goes into these debates that he understands the relationship and complex as Tom said between the president and the military leaders. I don't think you can get him to do that. Uh, that's my short answer. Uh, Because Donald Trump views the debates differently than a conventional candidate. He views the debates as an opportunity to project his personality, that he is Mr. Fix-It, that he is the leader, and that the minutiae of all these relationships isn't important. And I'm sure after the debate, if someone pointed out to him that, hey, you diminished the generals, you talked about the uh, security briefing, he probably shrugged his shoulders and said, no big deal. I don't think there's a way of moving this uh, man. I think this man really thinks that he's above it all. I think that uh, he, uh, you know, you can confront him with evidence that it has hurt him, and he'll be good for two days, and uh, then he'll fly off the handle. The one thing that I really uh, find, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to use the word repulsive. That's a little too strong, but that I find alienating is that most candidates for president of either party spend a certain amount of time reading up on matters, learning about matters, uh, reading books on certain areas of uh, world crises. Uh, People thought that uh, Ronald Reagan didn't do that. He did it extensively, and it came out years later. He read the works of Friedrich von Hayek on economics. But I don't think Trump bothers to read a single book. I think the uh, main thing he reads are the uh, business reports every day, and he listens to the Sunday talk shows, and he thinks he knows it all. And I think that's going to be a problem for him down the stretch. Well, Alan, it could be. We'll see. You know, guys, um, it's about that time that we take a break. You are listening to us on the Politically Incorrect podcast with Alan Steinberg, Tom Jackson, Joe Henderson, and I'm Jim Williams, uh, Washington Bureau Chief and your host. As you listen here on NewstalkFlorida.com and BlogTalkRadio.com, we're going to step aside, pay a few bills, and then we'll be right back to talk about some of the other things going on in politics this week. Welcome back to the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, along with Alan Steinberg, Tom Jackson and Joe Henderson. Guys, uh, before the break, uh, we talked a little bit about what was going on with uh, Donald Trump and uh, whether or not, you know, how we would uh, try our darndest to uh, give him a shot at at learning how to be uh, more in tune with the uh, with what generals have to do and what uh, how the military and the president works. But, you know, there's also other aspects last night that we saw that were interesting. We'll get to Miss Clinton as well because there were things that she did foolishly. But um, 
the, the one thing I wanted to check out with you guys is this. It was it was weird from a standpoint to me, and that was both of them, not just one, but when you know when Secretary Clinton came out and sat down with Matt Lauer, and then when Donald Trump came out and sat down with Matt Lauer, neither of them. And you're on the Intrepid, which, by the way, Alan, I think you can back me up on this one. If you ever get a chance to, uh, if you're in New York and you want to stop by and see it, you really should. It's a phenomenal, um, it's a phenomenal uh, museum. Besides the fact that it's a magnificent ship and beautiful, so you should go and see it. But here these guys are. You've got two presidential candidates. Neither one of them stopped Lauer before the first question and said, "You know, it's an honor to be here on the Intrepid and to spend time with." you know, our military and thank those of you who are watching on TV who served the country and those of you who uh, have served the country prior. There wasn't any of that. And I, I was stunned. I mean, I was stunned, first of all, that Secretary Clinton didn't do it. And I was even more stunned that, you know, okay, she blew it and didn't say it. And nobody in the in the Trump campaign picked it up either. Did, did you guys catch that? Or is that something that, because uh, I didn't see it. I... <laughs> I did, I did not pick, not up, pick up, up. That's a good point. So, I mean, both camps on the pox on both their houses on that one. I mean, you know, how do you go on to the? I mean, next time both of them should go to New York, they should pay to get on that because they they really didn't, uh, <laughs> you know, they really didn't do any any service to these people by at least even acknowledging the fact that here are these service people asking about you know situations that their lives depend on. And uh, and nobody said anything other than uh, you know the usual pat you know platitudes which you know at times just fall on deaf ears. Uh, anyway, one thing that um, Hillary Clinton said last night, which was um, both factually wrong and probably impossible, is that she said that uh, we are not going to uh, put any troops in Syria and. Uh, and that's going to be something that, you know, it's not going to happen. Well, we already have troops in Syria and um, and working on other aspects of the Middle East. So um, I don't I don't know whether she whiffed on that one or she wasn't thinking or what happened there. But again, another factual opportunity to just say what you want to say, saying, you know, as soon as we clear this up, we're gonna get you know nobody's gonna come back. We're not we're not gonna do what we got to do. We'll do what we can do. No, none of that. She just blew right by it. So I, I don't know, you know, Joe, you want to weigh in on that one? I I, well, I don't understand uh, that one. Yeah, I, I heard that, and it was, and it was interesting. interesting. But but here's the thing: is is I kind of interpreted the the way you said you would like to have seen her done it, which is we're not going to put troops there in the future. So okay. it, it didn't bother me as much. I didn't really see a lot of the uh, commentary picked up on that. So maybe that's how people took it. No, I, I think she was referring to something else. And I'll tell you what I think she was referring to. Uh, we have special forces there. We do not have uh, regular infantry there. It's special forces unit. And she stated it very inartfully. She should have said uh, that our involvement there would be limited to uh, special force units 
that we would not be sending regular infantry there. So basically you're saying that um, she, by clarifying a couple of minor sentences, it would have made it a little clearer? Yes, it would have been accurate. For her to say that we don't want to spend send uh, regular infantry there has been a consistent position of a lot of people. Uh, but we are going to have special forces there as advisors uh, to, uh, you know, various forces like we've had in the past with the Free Syrian Army. Uh, so, uh, you know, that would have been a more accurate statement. What about yeah, – uh, go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry Jim. She, she had an opportunity to, to draw a bright line between – what her thoughts are about the Middle East and Iraq uh, and and uh, and Donald Trump, because from time to time, I don't know where his position on his secret plan is these days, but from time to time, he has made some noise about we're going to go back in there, we're going to have a, a, a huge surge, and we're going to do what needs to be done and make sure that it's that it's that it's fixed for good. Um, but that would involve you know significant boots on the ground. She had an opportunity to draw the line there and say that we are not going to have regular troops in any sort of numbers there, and that would have made that would have made a clear distinction without stepping on herself uh, as she as she wound up doing. Because I I did see uh, that they took her to task a little bit on Morning Joe about doesn't she realize that we have troops there already? Well, yeah, but I, I, I think that most listeners had a pretty good idea of what she was saying as far as what sort of troops would be there, and it wouldn't be regular Army, wouldn't be regular Marines and that sort of thing. Well, you're listening to the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, the host, Washington Bureau Chief for News Talk Florida, joined by the man who you just heard, Tom Jackson, who has a wonderful piece in today's um NewstalkFlorida.com. You can read about it. It's about the FBI. Alan Steinberg joins us from New York and our other fine columnist, Joe Henderson, from the Tampa Bay area is with us. And um, front page of both the Washington Post and New York Times today continues on a story that you guys and I, we all talked about last week, and that was Pam Bondi. And it continues to not want to go away as kind of a pay-for-play situation. And uh, Trump says nothing to see here. Bondi says nothing to see here, but it's still alive. Uh, does this story have any legs, or is this just somebody keeping something propped up that um, there, there really is nothing to see here? I think it has legs for one reason. Oh, go ahead, Alan. You go first, and we'll move. It, it has legs because of the fact that when they filed, there are two things. Excuse me. When they filed the report, they listed as the the agency or the entity getting uh, the donation as an entity out in Kansas City. It had the same name, and that that looks an an awful lot like an attempt to conceal the donation. Secondly, the fact that it came from the foundation made it flagrantly illegal. And thirdly, is that after the charge was, uh, they decided not to uh, pursue the case. Trump himself gave a big fundraiser for her at Mar-a-Lago, and uh, that was in addition to making the donations. So you talk about the appearance of impropriety. This has a real stench to it, and I don't think the Clinton campaign is going to let this go away. Okay, guys, I'll go to uh, Mr. Jackson and then to Joe Henderson. Go ahead, Tom. 
I think we will have heard the last of this before the end of September. Uh, Bondi isn't backing down from from her position on on the the unfolding of events. Um, Trump is doing all that he can to make it a non-issue, and I think that there are bigger fish to fry than a $25,000 donation to a to a pack that there's no real there's no clear um as as the as fans of uh, Hillary Clinton are saying there's no clear quid pro quo here there was a there was an alternative method for people in Florida who felt like they had been wronged by Trump University to to get on board with the lawsuit uh so she didn't really need to participate i'm not sure that that's a great answer but it's it's a defensible one Joe? Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. Do you really think that now? I, let me let me hit, let me jump in. It will not be a factor in the presidential race. I agree. But as far as Ms. Bondi's future political ambitions, I think it's a huge factor because it brings into question her judgment as the chief legal authority in the state of Florida, and. The way she handled uh, this non-investigation and then to turn around and get this donation and hold the fundraiser uh, just opens up all kinds of questions about her. It's more about Bondi than it is about Trump. I will say that. So you basically think guys, you guys basically think that it, for all intents and purposes, it's um, – as you said, Tom, it'll 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 die out before the end of the month. I don't it think depends that on how the campaign goes. <laughs> okay, it's but, uh, well, it, 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 it is a black mark because this is it, it depends what you're trying to tie it to. If you're trying to tie it to the presidential election, yeah, it's probably not the biggest factor. But Pam Bondi thinks she has a future in big in big time politics and now she's got to defend this and believe me if the roles were reversed and this was Hillary Clinton on the on the defense uh for something like this Fox News would be wall to wall with it well let me Joe, you just brought up a point guys let me ask you this we saw what happened to Debbie Wasserman Schultz okay when she got pretty much defrocked uh, at the Democratic National Convention uh, and had a heck of a, a run, you know, in her area just to get back into the primaries and try to get her seat back. Uh, is is Bondi as damaged as Wasserman Schultz? Is that a fair comparison? Hmm. I don't think we know. I don't think we know just now. And I think that, that Pam may very well think that her future is pointed politics in, uh, in, the, in the administration of Donald Trump, um, which is clearly an uphill climb. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be something that will come up if she runs for elected office again. If she runs statewide, she is likely to have to deal with that again. Uh, but she's, she's otherwise a, a fairly popular uh, State, uh, 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 State Attorney General, and I think that we just, we frankly don't know. We frankly mm -hmm. don't know. Too early to tell. But here's where it's a factor in the Trump campaign. 
because there have been articles about all of Donald Trump's illegal campaign contributions and various fines he's paid down through the years. So, if, And the New York Times had a big story on this the other day, and the Washington Post did also. Uh, so the Clinton campaign may not let it go away. They may say, look, he has this whole history of illegal campaign contributions, including the most recent, which is a pay-to-play. Uh, he has a history of uh, stiffing small businesses. Uh, he also had the Justice Department lawsuit filed against him for discrimination. So they're trying to uh, do their own defining of Donald Trump and his business activities, and I don't think they're going to let this just go gently into the night. Well, but there's an awful lot of firepower on the other side of that. I mean, we've we've got uh, we've got the uh, the head of this of the for-profit school laureate attending a state uh, a state department dinner, and then within months, Bill Clinton getting a 17.6 million dollar contract to be uh, an honorary chancellor of the school. I mean, anybody wants to start playing playing that playing that pay for play game. Uh, is going to have an awful lot of stuff thrown back at them. Oh, I agree, but I think there is going to be a lot of uh, pay-to-play ammunition being fired by both sides. Well, you just heard from Alan Steinberg and from Tom Jackson, Joe Henderson. I'm Jim Williams, the host of the Politically Incorrect podcast. And um, we have uh, been chatting here about last night's Commander-in-Chief Forum, which was seen on NBC. And uh, today, most everybody has been playing uh, defense on what happened last night. And now I think that uh, what we can look forward to as we kind of enter our last segment here is um, is getting ready for the debates. And I think that after last night, I think that both the Clinton campaign in Brooklyn and uh, in Midtown Manhattan at the um, at Trump Tower, there's going to be a lot of work on on debate prep. And, uh, it should be interesting because it's also going to be on NBC and Lester Holt's going to be in charge of uh, moderating it. So I don't know. Do you um, do you think and we'll start with with you, Joe. Do you think that um, well, next time we see both these candidates and they're in debate mode, that they will be far more prepared than they were and more polished as well? as than they were last night no i don't and and here's why um i believe donald trump has decided that he's going to listen to himself it's what he's done all along anyway and so i think he will he may do some you know some minor prep but i think he's saying look I've gotten this far doing it my way, and this is how we're going to go to the finish line. Hillary Clinton, now she will dissect it like a football coach running the same play over 50 times trying to figure out if, if there's an edge she can get. She'll be overprepared, and I think he'll be underprepared. Huh? Can I just say what Joe just said? Um, <laughs> you can just say, you know. These two – these two people are who they are. Uh, Hillary, Hillary Clinton has not changed one iota since she debuted on the national stage in 1992 with the buy one, get one free business. She is the same stoic, controlled, programmed 
uh, persona that she has always been, and Donald Trump is the say is going to be the loose cannon that he has always been, and the and what will be interesting about the debates then is not so much the stuff that comes out of their mouths, but the impression that the American people draw seeing them both on the same stage at the same time and being able to say, does this guy scare me as much as the Clintons want me, as the Clinton campaign wants me to believe? And the the rest of us will be saying, can I imagine this guy as president? Uh, and that's, I, I, I think that that's what it'll all come down to because we know who's going to be prepared, who's going to know the right answers to all the right questions. But you know what? Marco Rubio knew all the right answers to all the right questions during the primaries, and he got crushed by this guy simply because he projects this aura of being able to – he'll be the right guy, the strong guy to make the right decision at the right time. And you can believe that if you want to. Go ahead, Alan. I agree with what both uh, Joe and Tom have said. Uh, I think on the positive side, uh, Hillary Clinton will try to project competency. And Donald Trump will try to project leadership, but I think the debate may well be won or lost in how they cast the, the that they define their opponents negatively. And I think that uh, Hillary will focus on defining Donald Trump as an unfit and unqualified commander in chief, and Donald Trump will uh, define her as crooked Hillary, and uh, that will be the debate. I expect it to be a very unpleasant affair. Uh, Donald Trump is not exactly respectful of his opponents. You remember the primaries, how he referred to low-energy Jeb, little Marco, and uh, who knows what will go on in uh, this debate. I'm I'm not looking forward to it. Well, I think that um, a lot of people are, and I know, Alan, that you, you're not looking forward to it, but I bet that you'll still watch it. The, um, well, of course I'm going to watch it. Mean, you know, I'm watching football tonight to get away from all this. Oh, there you go. And um, but I think it's going to be fascinating in that um, Tom, but what you and, and Joe both said. You know, they are who they are. The cakes are baked, and uh, these people are one of these people. One one of these candidates, I should say, is going to be the president of the United States, and it's going to be fascinating as we uh, work our way to uh, to the debate time to find out just what's going on. So um, fascinating stuff. And and last night we got a preview and I agree with Tom Jackson that it was kind of like the first of uh, uh, scrimmage game of the season in uh, preseason. They, they weren't quite ready for prime time and, and both of them showed it. And so maybe next time they won't be ready, but they'll be, um, it'll be the first time, I, I guess the one thing that I think is gonna be fascinating It'll be the first time that Trump actually goes one-on-one with anybody. And I think that that's going to be a fascinating situation to see how he handles going one-on-one and also to see how he handles, you know, it's one thing to be mean and, and, and difficult and tough when the person you're talking about isn't in the same room, let alone standing, you know, seven feet away from you. And uh, I'm just curious to see how he handles that. I think that'll be a fascinating thing as well. But we'll certainly find out. Okay, guys, coming to the end here. How about last call? Uh, Alan Steinberg, last call for you. What are your final thoughts, takeaways from this week in politics? 
Uh, I am focused on something other than the debates. I saw the Washington Post poll, and I have to confess, it was a state-by-state poll. This race is closer than I ever thought it would be. So I may have to stand corrected on certain things. Uh, Hillary Clinton still has a sizable electoral vote lead, but she has a vulnerability in two states that could give Trump the election, and those two states are Michigan and Wisconsin, and she will have to trend left to get those electoral votes. So she's going to be very dependent on Bernie Sanders to campaign very heavily in in those two states, and that's going to hinder her ability to go to the uh, center. On Donald Trump's side, the poll shows a vulnerability in, of all places, Texas. It shows Hillary Clinton with a lead. Now, if I had to bet on it, I'd say Trump will end up carrying Texas, but I'll tell you what it does tell me. Texas is uh, leaving the ranks of red states and becoming a purple state, and within two election cycles, I think you will see a Democratic presidential candidate carry Texas because of the growth of the Mexican-American vote. So this may be a change election for reasons other than government policy. Mr. Jackson. Uh, I, I, I wanted, we uh, just barely mentioned early on about how poor Gary Johnson sort of stuck his foot in his mouth not knowing what Aleppo was or where it is or anything like that. He's He has recovered somewhat during the day about pointing out, well, Hillary Clinton knows the map, but he thinks that he knows the policy. And I was I, I don't think that he could make a whole big dent in the electorate. But I would certainly love to see Gary Johnson figure out a way to get enough uh, to, to get 15 percent in the poll so we could wind up on the stage with with uh, Clinton and Trump. Because as I as I have said before, if you strip them of their of their party allegiances and just showed them on what they've done, who they are and what their plans are, I think this could be a three way race. And Gary Johnson would do very well because his thoughts on on regime cha- regime change and being adventurous in the world are, I think, where most Americans are right now. And his his thoughts on the economy are very much aligned with mine. So I I I just love to see that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be waiting uh, to see if Julian Assange comes out with the uh, next batch of WikiLeaks documents. Uh, like he has said, uh, could happen as soon as next week. And um, it's interesting tying, starting to tie some loose ends together here. Um, he he revealed this in an interview uh, on with Sean Hannity on Fox. And it seems that Assange now has decided that uh, he really does not want to see Hillary Clinton elected president. And if I were a conspiracy theorist, which I am not, um, you could begin to tie that thread together of Fox and, and Assange and all of this uh, kind of dump on uh, on Hillary Clinton. Um, I'll let smarter people than me make that connection and see if, if there's anything to it. But um, Hillary will probably have some more explaining to do about uh, a big uh, document the uh, batch that's about to be released on her uh, next week. Well, it'll definitely, you know, look, this entire campaign has been fascinating the whole way down. And there's no reason to believe that it's not going to be fascinating up to the very last minute. <laughs> By the way, the polls in um, 
in uh, both Ohio and uh, Florida show at the moment that it's a dead heat uh, as well on the national level. So we know in Florida that it's going to be a battleground. You think you saw uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump in Florida quite a bit uh, in the past few uh, months. Guess what? They'll be living in Florida in the uh, next month or so. Okay, guys. Um, social I got a media. Bedroom. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, you may be renting it out. Okay. There's. Uh, it's like Super Bowl. You can rent your house and make a lot of money. Uh, anyway. I like it. There you go. All right. Here we go. Alan Steinberg. Tell us how to get in touch with you on social media. Uh, my Twitter account is uh, a Steinberg at a Steinberg six thirteen, and my Facebook is Alan Joel Steinberg. And my, I must say that my emails are very boring, and Julius, uh, Julian Assange has no interest in my emails. That could be a good thing. Tom Jackson. Facebook me at uh, Tom Jackson, journalist, entrepreneur. Find me on Twitter. Handle is at Thomas Jacks Tampa, T-H-O-M-A-S-J-A-X Tampa. And Mr. Henderson. Well, you can find me on uh, Facebook at Joe Henderson, uh, commentary columns and such, or Twitter at the initial J Henderson Tampa. And if Mr. Assange were to look at my emails, he might reveal my fantasy football strategy to my opponents. So I hope he doesn't do that. Well done. Well, I'm Jim Williams. You can find me on Twitter at NTFLA underscore politics. That's NTFLA underscore politics. Facebook is uh, News Talk Florida. And on Instagram and Snapchat, you can get me at WordmanDC2016. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast with Alan Steinberg, Joe Henderson, Tom Jackson. I'm Jim Williams. You've been listening to it on NewstalkFlorida.com and BlogTalkRadio.com. Until next time, we hope that you've enjoyed the show, and uh, we're going to have some fun stuff for you next time around. So by all means, stay with us and listen to the Politically Incorrect podcast. We appreciate your time.